home. Gonna <clears throat> little change. If you made it to the first service, or, or you didn't, this is we're gonna we didn't do this. So, um, Faye, would you come up here? Can I get Danny and Bob or anybody else that wants to come up and pray? Yes, I want you to, please. Bob, would you? As I say, it's open to anyone if you want to pray. We're going to lay hands on and we're going to pray for Sterling and Kathy. And they're not here. And Faye, you're the one that uh, that you you brought that news to me this morning. And we're going to just gather together and we're going to pray. And so you're all invited forward if you want to. You can stay where you're at. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but I I don't know. I just think we're going to be obedient. Father God, I <clears throat> right now we're just going to lean into you. Jesus, we pray that you Just wrap your arms around Sterling and Kathy right now. God, you know what they're going through. You know uh, the diagnosis or the prognosis. And Father, we're going to lift them up to you and give them to you. And God, you, as much as we love them and care for them, God, you love them more. And we thank you that, God, even though they're at home, we can we can lift them up in prayer and love them. And Jesus, we just pray that right now you will just strengthen both of them. God, encourage them. God, as, as Kathy helps Sterling, and as Sterling is, God, struggling with what comes next. I think over the last few years, and he's lost his voice, and he's lost his mobility in the things that he loves to do. But Jesus, the thing that can't be taken away is his love for you. Through this process, I have seen his faith strengthened that he has leaned into you and trusted you. And so at this moment, right now, today, God, I... I, This may seem crazy, but God, I pray that you will just touch him and that, God, whatever... It is that you have your plan. God, we, we know that you knit him together. And so, God, if it's your plan that you heal him and that his voice comes back and maybe his balance a little bit, God, that's what we're asking. It's for a miracle. 
not just so that we could hear Sterling's voice again, but God, so that you could be given all the honor and glory and we could stand back and say, look what our God did. The creator of the universe once again comes through. So God, I pray that you will just touch Sterling and Kathy. Give them the strength to take the next step, whatever that is, in your plan. We love you, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Sorry, I didn't aim to be weepy. It's supposed to be an upbeat. It's first of the year, right? Let's see if we can get there. So several years ago, before uh, we moved to Ellendale, I had a, a pastor and a mentor friend who said, Kelly, I, I have for years um, chosen, prayed about, and chosen a word for me personally and then for the church, kind of a direction that we're going to go. He said, it's, it's, it's helpful. It's kind of a mini vision. It's something you can play over throughout the year. And so I, I began to pray and, and try and put that into uh, practice. And uh, this last year, I'm not going to lie to you, the word was prayer. And we started out that way, and I think we had an eight-week series about prayer. And we were going to do some different things. And then the grenade, the pin was pulled, and things just went kind of crazy. And I think we did a lot of praying, but sometimes we weren't able to be together and pray as much as we were. And uh, so as... As 2000, or 2020 was coming to an end, I began to pray and say, God, what, what is, what's the idea? And I looked at our society, and I don't even know if this is actually a word in the context that we're going to use it, but the word is togetherness this year. And uh, it says the state of being close to one another, to another person or other people. And... I don't, I don't want to come off as like nullifying authority. I don't want to come off as somebody that says, well, I know better because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor. But I am somewhat of a student of human nature and human, human interaction. And I look at what the last eight or ten months have done to us as a society of being pushed away and... and those of you who didn't know, I, I was in Iowa this last week, and in Des Moines they have they want to be a big city, and uh, they just haven't got there yet. But they have these boards, just like if you were in the cities, that says if they're, they're, they if there's road construction or you know if you're at the West Mixmaster, it's 12 minutes downtown and tw- you know 15 minutes to the to the. And that's kind of 
so they, it's, it's like 12 minutes. It's really, do they need to tell you it's 12 minutes? You, that's rush hour, by the way. Des Moines is not that big. But as Keegan and I came into town on Thursday and as we left, or no, on Sunday and as we left on Thursday, um, they kept putting, it flashed, and it was different messages, but it was the same message, basically. Keep your holiday gatherings small. They were Had a bad connection. There, I think we got it. It was me. But the idea that we are created to be together. We're created to be in community with God, and we're created to be in community with one another. And that even goes for those of you who say, I'm an introvert, and I don't like people. You were created to be in community. Togetherness. So I, I went to the thesaurus and I, I found some different words and fellowship and community and, and all of these different things, but I kept coming back to togetherness. I was like, I don't, I don't that, that seems like kind of a weird word for the context. I, I don't know. But that's what I kept coming back to, so that's what we got. I went with that. So I began to compile stuff and look at statistics. And if you bring up the next slide, this was from a, uh, a, a story done in the Washington Post on November 23rd, 2020. This was from the CDC. Thanks, Renee, for making that a little bit bigger. She, that, um, says the youngest have made... Uh, have been hit the hardest by the pandemic mental health problems. Three and four young adults are struggling with at least one mental health problem, such as anxiety and depressive disorders, trauma and stress disorders, or substance abuse disorders. In that age range from high school to end of college, 18 to 24, three-fourths, 75% of kids that age, young people, maybe they don't like to be killed kids anymore, Young people are struggling. That's according to the, the CDC. Now, before you say, say, wait, wait, I've heard surveys from the CDC, and sometimes it's three or four times a day, and they all say different things. We're going to take this because it works, okay? That, it, it works for my narrative. And then you see that progressively, you know, kind of step down about 20, 25% per generation. I read one article where it said because of the, the failure of our um, mental health in this country and the system, it may be two or three years before we really know what the effect that the last eight or ten months will have on our culture, on our kids. 
And uh, I looked at that and I, I go, okay, that's 18 to 24-year-olds, but I believe that that's working on kids that are much younger too. I, I work with second and third graders. And I know that it's affecting them. And again, I, I don't want to come across as, as somebody that's telling you to revolt and rebel. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you were designed a certain way. And that is to be together with other people. And when you're isolated and when you're pushed away from that, it has an effect. And again, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just kind of a flunky. But it doesn't take a genius to see firsthand that this is having an effect in our culture. And so, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read two verses. And uh, the writer of Hebrews here is, is, if you went back to verse 19, it, it's, he's writing to the early church, to the first century church, and he's saying the, the, the main theme is persevere. Because we've talked a, a little bit about what it was like to, to be a Jesus follower in the first century. Right? It wasn't fun. It was, your family was against you. Society was against you. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, persevere. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. God, I pray that uh, we will take them to heart. God, speak to us. Show us that it isn't what I have on a sheet of paper, but it's what you have for us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the way that I understand the first century church was, you know, they were kicked out of the synagogues when it, you know, kind of after Jesus' death and things got kind of crazy and rowdy and And so what happened was, most of the time when they had church, was there was a rich person, a richer person, or a more well-to-do person that had a big house in the group. And they opened up their house to be the church, because they didn't have buildings like this. And so people would get together, and they had house churches, and usually what would happen is it would start with a meal. I'm in. Woohoo! Right? And in that meal, then they would somehow remember, remember Jesus said, when you do this, remember what I've done for you? And they would, they would, as they ate the bread and they drank the wine or the juice or whatever you want to say, they would remember the sacrifice that Jesus had paid for them. And there was prayer and sometimes people would say, ah, I have a word. It wasn't togetherness. And they'd stand up, and sometimes Paul talks about this. Sometimes you got to, you know, what people are saying, listen, and 
I, I know a couple of people who, uh, pastors who, their church is very much open like that. And, and I told the first service, I'm not that much of a control freak, like that I got to dial everything, but I'm too much of a control freak to just go, hey, if you want to say something, just stand up. Because sometimes you don't have the off button. I'm just not going to lie to you. But they would, they would pray and they would, you know, people would share what they're learning and what they'd learned about Jesus and someone would, you know, kind of open up and, and kind of lead this. And that was what church looked like. A little bit different than what we're doing today, but similar. You guys, maybe some of you had coffee and a, a cookie between services. But the writer of Hebrews, and I'll work, I, not say Paul. I, for whatever reason, I believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, and people say no, but it just seems like it works to me. But we'll say the writer of Hebrews, we'll make reference to that a lot, wrote to the early church, and he wrote to us. And he said, I believe there's three things that every follower of Jesus, every church needs to do. He said, the first is, Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That word motivate there, when I looked it up, the Greek word is, it it, it insinuates to spur on. Which you say spur to me and that automatically I go to the rodeo. And I thought, well, I'm thinking of encouraging words, but sometimes when you're motivated or spurred on, it's at the time it's not always pleasant right? Sometimes somebody's got to dig their heels in to you and make things uncomfortable. Now, I think it can go both ways, so I'm not saying we just got to walk around and be mean to each other. I don't want to create that, so if if that's what it sounded like, that's not what I'm saying. But he said, I want you to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. What does it look like to to share with somebody? See, I I believe for us to be able to say, or for me at least, maybe I'll speak for myself, for somebody to be able to motivate me and spur me on, as I look back over my life and I thought about different situations where whether it was positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, the important thing, the, the common denominator in my life at least, was I had to have a relationship with that person in some form or fashion. I had coaches that all they did was yell. I didn't know they had a volume. Right? Ah! But I had a relationship with them. And I knew what they were saying to me was because they wanted me to get better or they seen potential in me. See, we need that that interpersonal relationship so that when people speak into our lives, we respect that. Because I can come up to you and say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that and you're doing this wrong and you need to change this. And if we don't have a relationship, you're going to go, okay, sure, thanks. Take care, brush your hair. 
They're just not going to listen. The writer of Hebrews here is, is underlying, he says, it, he says it in his second part of the second part of what needs to happen is don't stop meeting together. See, we, we, we take this and we think, oh, it's got to be the corporate setting. It's, it's us as a group. But I think it goes deeper. I think it's important that we meet like this. And I don't want to stop. We had to do that for a while. I didn't like it. I miss seeing you. I really did. And as much as it was kind of fun to do in the parking lot for a couple of weeks, I miss getting to see you in person without the windshield. But the writer of Hebrews says, don't stop meeting together. See, there was this, one of the questions that I get a lot of times from people, and, and if you've asked me this question, I'm not going to use your name, but it's a hard question to ask, answer. They look at me and they say, well, Kelly, do you think to be a Christian, do I have to go to church? And I think if you're painting with a broad brush, I can say, well, no, because there's some circumstances where you can't make it. It's not available. But it's been my personal experience that life and following Jesus is so much easier when I'm here with you and building relationships. And quite frankly, you're spurring me on once in a while if I get off track. We need community. We need togetherness. Because that's how God designed us. So when I ask that question, it's always, you can but... It's so much more difficult. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, when you get together, motivate, spur on to love and good works and, and, and don't stop meeting together because if you do, it's going to get all that much harder because you're not going to have that motivation. You're not going to have those people that are there. But encourage one another. I never wanted to be a cheerleader, right? I, let's get that out of the way. Never did. But I believe what the, the, book, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying here is y'all should be cheerleaders for one another. That's what he's saying. We need to be cheering one another on. Tasha, I'm going to use you as, as an example. I laugh. Wrestling moms are different. Um, if you're not a wrestling mom, you don't know that. Wrestling moms are different. Thursday we watched, Thursday on the way home, we watched a couple of Greg's matches. Well, Keegan did. I, I was driving. I wouldn't watch. But people are cheering and hollering. And you go to a ball game, well, before now, and there was not allowed to be people there. And people are screaming and hollering and cheering on their team. 
they have a relationship to that team, to someone on that team, or maybe it's their favorite team growing up. And I believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying, be a cheerleader of your family. And I'm not just talking about your blood family, I'm talking about us. That idea of togetherness, to be able to speak into somebody's life and say, you know what, I believe in you. I know firsthand that you can do this because we have a relationship and I know that you've done this and I believe that you can do this. And over the last several months, we've been told that we are supposed to meet with groups of six or eight or ten. Again, I told the first service, we are blessed in North, to live in North Dakota. Um, I talked to friends other places, and we have some things that we, we, we grumble about that other places go, wow, you have that kind of latitude to do those things? I'm like, oh, wow, that's... Uh, And again, I, I don't, I worry about this. I, I don't want this, it, probably shouldn't put it on Facebook today. Maybe that was, I don't want this to go out or I don't want anybody to walk away and, and, and have me, hear me say that we're supposed to break all the rules and, and what the governor says or what the CDC says doesn't play. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm concerned of, what I'm concerned about is what this is doing to us as a church, as a body, as a community. And so, what if we change the paradigm of church? See, we come to church and we expect to be fed. What's, what songs are Carrie or Lauren and Becky going to sing this morning? I don't like, uh, why can't we sing hymns all the time? I don't like those new songs. What kind of goofed up, whacked out job is Kelly going to be today and what rabbit trail is he going to go down? The coffee's cold. See, we come to church and way too often we come with the consumer mentality. All right, piano player, impress me. All right, preacher man, let's see what you got. See if you can make a bigger fool of yourself today. But what if, instead of coming with that consumer mentality, what if we took the, the, the writer of Hebrews to his word and we said, we decided we're not going to do the consumeristic thing, but it, and it's not what you get from gathering together. It's about how you contribute to the welfare of others in this group. What would happen? What would it look like if instead of going, all right, I'm going to come in and what's Kelly going to preach about and what songs are going to sing and which ones am I not going to like and which ones, when Kelly makes a point, I, I disagree with what he said. And instead, you said, you know what? As you got out of the car and you headed towards the door, you said, God, somebody is discouraged today. 
they've had a bad week. Maybe they had a test and it didn't, the, 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 it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. So God, let me be an encouragement. I, I want to go in and I don't want to just consume. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a cheerleader. But in order to do that, we have to have relationship. We have to have that togetherness for people to, to be able to speak into each other's lives. And so, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make some changes for 2021. And for the people on the church board, they haven't heard this yet. And I promise it won't mean more work. But we're going to begin to have more things like the game night on Tuesday night, or on the 22nd. We're going to start doing those things. Yesterday I met with Rebecca Herman, and, and she said, Kelly, I'm planning like maybe in, in, in February, she wants to have a, a, a movie night. We'll bring in the popcorn popper, and, you know, and we'll, we'll get together and watch a movie and, and have some popcorn and have a good time. We've got projectors and sound, and we can do those kind of things. And I was like, she and I didn't talk about what I was going to preach about today. So God's working in that direction. And we're going to get back to having some potlucks. Some people are going to go like, and some people are seeing, I'm seeing thumbs up and excited. Because we need to build relationships. We are at a time when people are lonely and missing those relationships. And so we're going to, as a church, we're going to do everything we can to create togetherness through events. We're still going to do our, our um, Easter egg hunt and the summer thing and, and the, the trunk or treat. We're going to do all those big community events. That's not going to change. But what we're going to do is, is we're going to have times where we can come together and hang out and play games and spend time together and build relationships and be together. Get the, get the plan there together. So that we can encourage one another. We can motivate one another. And be God's church. I would love for us to have more small connect groups. I think that's important. We've got one running right now. I think I made mention of that earlier. I can't remember what I said in the first service and the second. But we've got one men's group meeting on Monday nights. It's going really well. They've met a couple weeks. But I'd love to have something I, I talked to Josh Taylor about here a while back. It was in, in Aberdeen and, and Buffalo Wild Wings is open. I don't know if anybody excited about that is me, but I, I got excited about that. But I've never eaten the very hottest wings that they had. But you've got to order five of them, and I don't want to do that alone. So quarterly, guys, ladies, you're going to have to have somebody else do this for you. I can't plan it. But quarterly for this year, we're going we're gonna to do a guy's thing. Maybe it, it go eat hot wings. I'm all for that some Friday night. 
It'd be great if we had a lady say, you know what, I'll, I'll plan some stuff. Just where we can be together and do things. We get to know each other. And, and I think back to the impact that for the last several years, been a small group of people. And it started out as my connect group, but it just kind of morphed into just a group of guys going out on Tuesday nights up into the hills and shooting clay pigeons. And sometimes church comes up and God comes up and sometimes it doesn't. But I look forward to spending time with those guys. And, and, and the conversations that happen. And I'm always disappointed when the day gets short enough that we have to stop doing that. And I anticipate and get excited when spring comes so that the days are getting longer and hopefully we'll be able to go shoot soon. See, it's through that togetherness. That closeness, that proximity that we're able to motivate and to encourage, to spur on our brothers and sisters. And so that's going to be our word for the year, togetherness. You're going to hear that come up time and again. But what we need to remember is we're, we're all in this together. Right? As much as we may feel isolated and on an island for the last nine or ten months, we're in this together. We have a common bond in Jesus Christ. And so we've got one more song. I'm going to pray. This worship team wants to come up. And I want to encourage you. And if you go, I don't want to, I don't want to participate. That's okay. You're missing out. I'm just going to tell you. And then on Sunday when we come to church, you'll hear about everybody laughing and, and all the fun we had. And, and you missed out. You don't want to be that person. But we're gonna we're gonna double down on togetherness this year. We're gonna spend a lot of time together. I uh, I shared with the first service. Joe Howard is a good friend of mine in Aberdeen and Rise. And uh, I met with Pastor Steve in October, and, and he was telling me that that Arise is like one of the few churches, if not the only church on the district, three whole states that isn't just holding ground or losing ground, they're growing. Each Sunday, they've got more people. And so, I talked to Joe and I said, what's the secret? Now, not saying Joe's not a great leader, because he is, and he's a good friend, and he's a good preacher. He spoke here before a couple of times. He's filled in for me when, when I was gone in, in June. But he said, Kelly, the reason people are coming is I believe a big part of why they're coming is because of the culture that we've created around belonging. Giving people a place to belong and feel like they're at home. They're at a point that uh, they're about well, they've already outgrown their worship center. There's, they're full. And instead of adding another service, because he said, what, what, what are the options? I said, well, add another service. That's easy. We did that and it worked out well. 
they said, well, we don't want to break our culture. That idea of getting together and we don't want to displace people. So they're looking at going portable so that they can keep that culture. And I told the first service, and I'll tell you, I'm not proud. I'm not, I'm not above copying somebody. If we're fishing together, and you're catching fish, and I'm not, guess what? I'm going to come stand right beside you, and I'm going to throw the same lure that you're throwing. Mark and Eric are going, yeah, you fished in my hole before. But I believe that if we can create a culture where people feel at home and welcome, they're encouraged and motivated to follow Jesus. People are going to want to, they want that. They know they're missing something as well. So we're going to take a page right out of Arise's book. And we're going to Maybe, maybe for some people it might be togetherness overload. For others, you might be like, well, we need more. If you have ideas, let me know. I haven't cornered the market on good ideas. I'm going to pray. I've got one last song. Father, we, we thank you. We, we thank you that you love us. And God, we thank you that you, you have designed us to be together. To, God, we just don't operate... We're not whole when we're not in community, when we're not together. Think of how many times Paul made the reference to to your church as, as being a body made up, it's one body, but made up of many parts. And each part plays an important role role in the whole. And so God, I pray that we will re, uh, realize and recognize the importance of being together. We love you, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen.